You're listening to and you're watching the Black Filmmakers Lounge Saturday Morning Talk Shop with your hosts, Michael Melvin, Louis Duvall, Floyd Marshall Jr. Every day I hear that song, man. (laughs) Today's topic is producing. So here we're here to discuss producing films. And you know what? It's crazy. It's Memorial Weekend, so... I would like to uh, definitely give honor and support to the soldiers and the veterans that have fought uh, for our freedom and us, and um, just to pay honor. And um, yes. so we say thank you. Thank you for your service. Absolutely. You know, hopefully everybody's all chipper in yeah. here. Nestled in their in their nooks corners, listening to this great uh, re, uh, edition or episode of producing. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Okay, if we, and these are for both of you guys. Um, mm-hmm. What was the majority of the challenges? Because I think you guys have produced separately in your own in your own right before you guys did your own directing. I think you guys done done some producing, just producing alone. Uh, what was one of the major challenges that you guys faced? You know, I'll, I'll, Floyd, I'll start with you if you, do, if you don't mind. What was one of the challenges, either co-producing or just producing or executive producing? What was one of the, the top one challenge, if you can, if you can share, uh, what was your biggest challenge with, with whatever, whatever the production was and what was the challenge? <clears throat> Money. <laughs> money money is is always the biggest challenge because you have to find it because you you can't do anything without money you can't hire people you can't secure venues you can't purchase food for craft services you can't pay your people mm. so the biggest challenge for me was always money you know the resources are available that's that's the easy part um, good resources are available. That's the easy part. But it's just, you know, getting the capital together, which is the most difficult thing with the award show over the last five years. That has been the biggest challenge. And one year in particular. And see, this is why when people say, well, I'm a producer and I'm going to be like, well, I need to see your resume. I, I need I need to see what's on it. Because one year with with our show, it was two weeks out. No, I'm sorry. It was one week out from the show. And I was about four to $5,000 in the red. I didn't have it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And see, when you get to a certain point with venues, if you cancel, they still want all their money. Because you're past, you're past the stage where you can say, well... If you cancel, you lose some of it. The closer you get, the higher that gets. So if you're a week out from the show and they could have booked that space with someone yeah, else and you're right. talking about, well, uh, I, I can't do it. They're like, well, thank you so much. Send us our daggone money. So Right, because right, they're losing out. Right. Right. So, you know, because someone could have, you know, used the space to, to hold their event. So it was a week out, five Gs. Five G's and I'm sitting, I'm sitting there, you know, my wife's like, what are you gonna do? I'm like, I don't know, but I've been figure it out. And then that's when you really, you know, figure out who you are because you, you know, you you get your hustle on, you know, you you do 
whatever you need to do within the uh, legal limitations of the law, and you and you do <laughs> what what you have to do. And 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 most people, you know, fall by the wayside because, and not saying that I'm special or anything, but a lot of people fall by the wayside because when you run up against a situation like that, you cannot get it done for whatever reason. Uh, you, you you give up. And you say, well, it's, it's it's just too much. But, you know, it's interesting. I was watching, um, like I said, I didn't go to bed at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I was watching um, a clip of Angela Bassett at Black Girls Rock when she was accepting her award. And she was talking about when you're in a place where nothing's going right and things are at their worst and you have no idea how this is going to work out. She said, that is your time to shine. That is when you're going to really see who you are and what you are. And as you know, we have not missed the show. So I figured it out and I came with, with that $5,000. So for me, getting money, because we've never had sponsors. We've never had a major sponsor. And, uh, you know, which is so crazy, all, which, which is crazy. crazy yes, yeah. you should. You should have at least like tw- 50 million sponsors yeah. because of the simple fact of what you're doing and providing right. for the city. You know what I mean? So, yeah, but for me, money. Okay. Getting that money. Mike, what about you? Um, on producing. Actually, I produced and direct and did all that stuff at the same time. Um, but again, like Floyd, the producing issue was and has always and still continues to be money. <laughs> money is probably um, one of the biggest problems that we have so i for my very first feature film um i refinanced my house Mm. i was the guy that took out 50 grand (laughs) refinancing my home and um bought equipment um locations things like that paid for studio time for adr and um pressed up the dvds then my parents came when i got to a small rut and they helped out on the rest of the dvds but we out like our first three thousand dvds we sold out of okay and so we recouped that money and then put it back into some more dvds and um that kind of really helped me look at um the aspects of producing, because in all honesty, I had no idea what I was doing. I was used to shooting films, shooting shorts, doing all this stuff. And I had read this stuff on if you really wanted to uh, get into filmmaking and you really you really want to get in there. Not You won't shoot a short film, you shoot a feature. And shooting a feature taught me basically what I didn't know. You know, and I... Do I say I wasted $50,000? Yes and no. It was a $50,000 lesson that a lot of people will spend to go to college. And I still end up going to college for it anyway. But it was was like really valuable, a really valuable lesson. And um, after the movie was done, the feature, because it was called Broken, it got into like five film festivals within two years. I submitted a lot. And that's the other money no one talks about. How much money to put away for your distribution. So not only am I pressing up copies on DVD, um, doing posters, postcards, sending out emails, submitting it to um, companies for distribution. and But the film festivals. 
because they are costly. I mean, one film festival um, costs well over $5,000, and that's the go-to to attend, stay in a wow, hotel, wow. everything, you know. Um, it's like things have back, but here's the thing, back that was back then before all these digital cameras and stuff, we were using DV cams because we right, shot it right. on a XL2, a Canon XL2 and a GL2 as the camera B. And um, my editing was forever. <laughs> mm. But the money that was going out because you didn't know. Like, right. you know, you're spending money on studio time. You're spending money um, on food. And then some people are like, yo, you pay for food? People don't do that. I'm like, well, what? You know, we they that's what you're supposed I've I've never done it where I didn't buy food. Now I've had right. actors be like, I'm not hungry, I'm leaving. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. But I always make sure there's food on the set. That's part of it. Yeah, you know, and or I'll take them all out to dinner, depending on how late mm-hmm. we're shooting or whatever. Um, if there's breakfast, if we're shooting early, things like that, snacks. Um, we we always did that and i've worked on other people's sets where they do that too i just never been on, i've only if it's somebody who's a guerrilla filmmaker and this is why we have this industry shop talk right because the guerrilla filmmakers are different they don't have food no <laughs> they, they they expect these people or to be water. around <laughs> or water yeah right they no i mean we have we go out and we have um a thing of water and drinks mm-hmm. inside of a cooler and stuff you know right. that's what we do right we have a bag and everything they don't i'm surprised and i've that's been crazy and i've been just to observe you know by the way guys um we want to thank everybody who's hopped on now, is watching us at the Black Filmmakers Lounge Industry Saturday Morning Industry Talk Shop. Uh, once again, I'm Michael Melvin, Floyd Marshall, and Louis Duvall, your co-hosts. We all uh, today we're talking about producing and producers. So th- what's interesting is that we are all doing the same thing. Where we all self-produce. Like, right. I have a similar story where. Uh, Mike, you've maxed out. You refinanced. Uh, Floyd has had issues in trying to find the money. I uh-huh. maxed out. I maxed out a credit card for my first uh, feature, or feature short, I should say. But it was my first film. I maxed uh-huh. out a card. Uh, was it a lesson to not do? Now, as I look back on it, yeah, shouldn't have done that. But when you're in the height of trying to find something and trying to do right. something you have no choice to say, well, you know, this thing may either be the greatest or this thing may either do whatever. You don't know. But we've all self-financed or we all self-produced. So now that we're more seasoned in the game, what would be the best thing for us now now that we know this so that way people can not make the same mistakes that we've done? Uh, what would be the best thing to do in terms of approaching um, potential investors? Like, is there a format? Is there like a uh, a pitch, so to speak, to to, to making that uh, future investor say, "Yeah, this is great. Let's let's let me let me give you ten grand or twenty grand or fifty grand." Um, just your just your guys' thoughts. For me, um, <clears throat> all right. Let me tell you where the refinancing your home or maxing the credit card thought process came out from there was this movie back in the day called hollywood shuffle yes with robert towson and um he maxed his credit cards to get this movie done and i mean it worked out for him 
and we read about this. You know, we're growing up as filmmakers reading about how he did it and how Spike did it and how this person did it. Um, and we, and when you're first beginning, you're not learning about people who can invest. You're not learning about angel investors. I learned about later. You know, um, the whole investor aspect I learned about later. And so what ends up happening is a lot of us watch TV and read these trade magazines and we're learning that this was the way to start it. That's really what it is. And I mean, it's not, (laughs) I'm going to say this, it's not good advice, but it's not bad advice either because it worked for somebody, you know, um, and that's kind of what we have to think about uh, for this industry is how do we, you know, how do we get into this? You know, how do we, um, you know, yeah. Um, Jacob, he said, also there's network and resources were slightly different. Yeah. Back then when I, we were younger, we didn't have that network. We weren't exposed to that. I think now we are a lot more no, exposed we because there, there's now it's us. Like we're sitting on here, at black filmmakers lounge and there's other filmmakers watching and connecting. Everybody has something now. It's a lot different. And right. I had this theory as a, pro- a producer. If, if everybody I was in, well, I'm in several black filmmaking groups. I know because mm-hmm. you guys are too. And, uh, right. <laughs> but yeah. here's my thought. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we can. I can hear yeah, you. Yeah, okay. I can see you. All right. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's another discussion for another day. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> but, my God. But oh if God. I said if everybody took $1, if you can get that 10 or 20,000 people in that group to take $1 or $2, and put it into each other's project because that's a McDonald's. That's not even a McDonald's meal. For less than a price of going to McDonald's or a price of a cup of coffee, you can help get a movie done. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 And and this is way before they had what um uh the 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 the, the crowdfunding. Well, I'm talking uh, about even now. I'm, I'm saying even now, yeah. even with crowdfunding yeah, yeah. or without, if if everybody just said, you know what. If I see somebody doing a film thing, I'm going to take a dollar. I'm going to take $5. I'm going to take $10. Whatever I can give, I'm going to put in, no matter how small it is. And what people don't realize is a dollar helps because, absolutely, you know, I have, this, I have this hashtag. If everybody ever sees it, when you look at the black filmmakers, small change eventually mounts to a dollar. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, whatever people can do and, and to help each other. You know, and so now we're in these groups discussing this that we need to talk about making films. Forget criticizing films. Forget oh, right. how are we gonna get it done. Because, mm-hmm. like last time I said, I learned that if I had a hundred, well, did I say that on the last show? Or was I talking a private conversation with y'all? I don't know. But I, when I was doing my first movie, I researched how to get a distribution deal and get my film onto iTunes. Right? No, that was your Friday. That was your Friday episode. That was with, Friday. Uh, okay. Chris, yeah, with Chris Nolan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, r- really, Lewis. All right. So, like, <laughs> serious. That's what you were talking about. I know. I know. This is funny when you say stuff. But like, I um, I did this research and I found if a hundred filmmakers, if if a hundred of us came together, we'd have a hundred films. If fifty of us had two feature films under our belt, we'd have 
100 feature films. And so mm. we could put those things together as a group, as a distribution center mm-hmm. onto iTunes, onto platforms. We should be doing that. We should be having this conversation in rooms that we're going, yo, here's the deal. We need to um, come together, forget personal differences, business is business, have a contract, have agreements, have percentages, and help promote everybody's movie to get it distributed. And then you can say, yo, my movie's on iTunes. Right. Yo, my movie's on know what you need to know you can get your movie on uh, amazon but you the problem is marketing and promoting with amazon yes all you have so, to do is have closed caption go ahead i'm sorry so here so here's a question that was posed do you think that the risk is the same uh with when you had to refinance your home with me maxing out my card with floyd having to try to find other uh, avenues and trying to make the, the, the funds, do you think the risk is the same in terms of the output? Because the one thing is that, you know, we are in the business of filmmaking to create revenue. Right. So what happens if we're refinancing and we're maxing and we're going in other, other avenues and directions when our return on our investment is not there? You know, was that a, was that, was it worth the risk? And I think that that's what Jacoby was trying, if, if that's Jacoby was trying to ask, I don't know if that was his question, because, uh, you know, oh, I'm sorry. interpreting it. Yeah, I'm interpreting it. But if that's the case, you know, was that, was it worth the risk for you guys? I know for me it was. Yeah. It was yeah. worth the risk. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, okay, well, first of all, the vast majority of investors will not invest in anything that you have. Well, let's let's talk feature because it really doesn't work for shorts. Right. Right. There are no investors or very rare that will invest in your project if you have no money inside of it. They're not going to do it because, you know, let's 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 take a look at it. You're going to someone and you're asking them for 10, 15, 20, 25,000 dollars. And you're asking them to risk their money. But then they turn around and ask you, well, how much capital do you have? Well, I don't have anything. So then why would anyone want to write you a check? So there's always risks involved, because if you're going to do this, you won't have to put up some of your own money. That's just the way it is. There is absolutely no way around that. Now, I actually had this discussion in one of the film groups the other day, and I asked the question, like, you know, you have an idea, you have a concept, but you have no money, but you're asking someone else to invest in your projects that I described. You know, some people took offense to that. Sorry, it is what it is. You know, this is a business right. and, and people get caught up in their feelings over business. But guess what? Business people ain't worried about your feelings. They doing business. So if you're, <laughs> if you're telling them, well, yeah, man, I, I need you to invest $50,000, but I, I, ain't, I ain't got no money to put in it, and it may or may not work. Huh? No, no, nobody's going to do that. So there's always a risk. Anytime you decide I'm going to shoot a film mm-hmm. and you involve money in it, there's a risk. But see, this is how you kind of... No, it's, this is not how you kind of... This is how you lessen that risk. You start off the right way. You, 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 
Come up with a business plan. If you've never written a business plan, go hire a professional to write you a business plan. You outline everything that is needed in the film, everything that you're going to need, the talent that you're going to attach or try to attach or that you have attached, what it's going to cost you to do that. Um, right, your, your wish list of Right, all of that. Right. You, you, you have to, you, once again, as a producer, it's a business. It's a business. It's a business. So you have to approach it as a business. Because imagine if someone were to, were to come to you and ask you, could they borrow some money? The first thing you're going to do is, well, do you have a, a plan on how I, I'm going to get my money back? Right. So right. if you're going to someone else and asking them for money, they're going to ask you those questions. So you need to go in into it with the mindset that I need to have a formulated plan before I do anything. All that, well, I'm, I'm about to shoot a film. Yo, get that out your head. Get the business plan down first. Get, line all that up and then approach your investors. Look like you know what you're doing. If you want some money from somebody, look like you know what the hell you're doing. Right. If you don't look like you know what you're doing, they're going to be like, well, thank you so much. And you'll never get to see them again because you just wasted their time. Has, so. any, has anybody have uh, stories or know of someone who've approached banks? And what was that? Um, what was that experience like? If they have shared that with you, like they say, yeah, you know what? I went to Chase, and this is what Chase told me when I went to uh, ask them for, you know, X amount, you know, X dollar. Because um, I had one conversation with someone, and they said that it was very successful. But like Floyd said, they had a plan. They they had everything laid out. It was a proposal that they put on their desk that was like thirty pages long that came in, it was very detailed. But, you know, for someone that's the average Joe, I'm wondering, you know, there are those, you know, those self-made production companies or those self-proclaimed, I'm a producer, you know, they always hop on and say, yeah, I've got a production company and this, that, and the third, and then they just want you to work for free. I'm wondering, like, what was the, if there's anybody that had that kind of experience, like, they, they've, they've actually had conversations with, like, yeah, this is what happened with me. This is what I have did with this bank, and this is what the you know this is the outcome from that. I don't know if anybody had that story. Well, let me ask you. Experience. Let me ask you a quick question. The person who um, had the the good outcome was that a uh, like a documentary or nonprofit? Because normally banks won't get into giving you money for for for, for profit films. Yeah, this is someone that's like way up they, they've had they've had films underneath their belts oh well and, you know what i mean they, they've had like several different projects underneath their belts and because of the the name of the kind of production and the people that they were associated with so they had okay, a track and the, record and the and the, ta- yes. and the, ta- and the talent that was the talent that was attached to the particular projects was able to them to secure it wasn't like a you know like a like a hundred thousand dollar a million dollars something it was very like they just had like small small costs like uh like residual costs that needs to still be taken care of finishing um, funds basically finishing funds right. right and and that that's what they were trying to um approach certain banks he didn't tell me the name of it but he did but he did tell me as far as like this is what he did and it was just mm. like a quick blurb but it was like this is what i did and this is what happened but they had they had named talent attached to their project. So they, so, they, okay. they actually had um, the name talent could have also been producers. So they're probably invested because they're open to a percentage of it as well. Um, because that's the thing. Like it, I'm gonna throw this. I'm gonna throw some words out there, right? And I'll post up what they mean in more detail. But I'm gonna I can say them as well. But negative cost, right? 
the one of the first things you negative costs is one of the most important things to making your film because that is the money you're spending. That is right. what it's going to cost you to produce your film. You know, like the distribution, the promotion, but no matter if it's a low budget or a short film, whatever type of film you're doing, whatever money you put out is negative cost, right? So you got to make that back or you got, you got to justify why you got this negative, this money going out, you know, and that's the thing. Um, I, I've never looked at banks as financing at one point I did, but when I look at a bank as a financial person or entity, um, I'm looking at more so for the company itself versus the okay. film because the company can make money back. I can go shoot a commercial. I can go shoot a music video. I can go shoot government videos. I could go do whatever and make that money back, right? But... When you're dealing with investors, and this is when we're talking about equity investors, right? When they own a percentage of your film, right? You're looking at angel investors. And these people, they have to understand that there probably may or may not be a return on investment. That's why as a producer, it's your responsibility to do the homework mm -hmm. to be able to market and know your trajectory. Because honestly, you're projecting something based off of other films of that status doesn't mean it's going to happen for your film right it's really a shot in the dark right but it does come with some good marketing some good things that's why unfortunately we should be looking at as independent producers the lower budgets right because if we can make more money with a lower budget if you spend ten thousand and you make back twenty thousand that's a good return on investment you spend ten thousand and you make fifty thousand. It's a much better return on investment. If you can spend ten grand to make a movie and you get a hundred thousand dollars, now you're like, yo, we need to talk to that guy. And, and mm -hmm. so that's the thing we have to look at. And the market has changed because mm -hmm. if, if people have been on the page, we're now talking about movies coming out of the movie theater and a lot of money being made at home. Because 70% of the viewers want to see it at home in their own personal home theater now. Which so, is what the the direction that most people wanted to have when streaming started to come into effect. It was more so, well, if we're streaming movies, why can't we just have like the actual theatrical release right in my home? Exactly. You know, right on right on my on my uh my my device. So I know that people I know that companies and 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 uh, production companies like the bigger ones, like the Warner Brothers, the Paramounts, I think that they have been eyeballing the idea of wanting straight to straight to the consumer. Screw the theaters because mm -hmm. you know it, it, it's it's what's more what's more beneficial for the end of the day for the for the studio. Is the studio going to lose more or? But I know that that's that's there's other there's other parameters that surround that why that isn't necessarily the go-to because people know that theaters are actually what makes or generates most of the revenue for uh, certain films. But um, real quick, Derek mm -hmm. says, if you're bonded, banks will finance. So has everybody experienced with, when it comes to bonding or having a, a um, bonded situation? And you mean being insured and um, right. bonded. Yeah. Um, not necessarily because most of the projects I've had to work on, I didn't have to worry about that as much, but it is something <laughs> I know about. 
because um, insurance, you know, I have people complain to me, insurance is expensive for your movie. It's about three to $500 <laughs> depending on what you're doing. It's for the whole entire year. You're not right. shooting the whole entire year. And so, I'm wondering, right. <laughs> would it be would it be because of it's the bigger projects that it, that requires for bonding or does it really matter? It matters because if, let's say you're going to shoot in a hotel, you need to be bonded. Gotcha. Uh, because okay. if you damage that anything right. in that hotel, they want, they want you to have a million dollar um, bond. If you're going to mm -hmm. use the hotel, wherever locations you film at, you should be bonded because if you damage or break something or something happens due to right. negligence, you're responsible for it. If you're not insured, you're not protected, mm -hmm. they're mm -hmm. going to come after you. They're going to take everything. That's also why you become an LLC. So they don't take your house. Right. You right. know, they don't take your car. They don't, they damage your company, but they don't damage you personally. But that's right. a tax thing. That's knowing an accountant. That's knowing your entertainment lawyer. You see, people don't, they don't want to do that. But those little things right there that we tend to overlook, that's what lowers our cost. They may cost something up front, but the cost on mm -hmm. the tail end is much worse. Right. And see, that's why, you know, when, when, when I always talk about, you know, especially once again, it's not really, I mean, you need to get into good practices when shooting shorts, but it's more so for when you're shooting feature films, it's got to it, you have to factor all of that in, in your pre-production. You really do, mm -hmm. you know, and that's where most filmmakers get caught because they are so focused on I got to shoot it. I got to shoot it. So the only thing that I'm worried about worrying about as far as money is concerned is, you know, how much is it going to cost me to hire the DP and a crew and how much is it going to cost me to edit? Not understanding that that is just a very small part of the process. There is so much more that goes in the process because, like you said, you know, if you don't have insurance, if somebody falls on your set, yeah, and yeah. you don't have insurance, <laughs> it's like right okay, now. See, see, it's, it's the, the coronavirus situation. A lot of people Absolutely. are trying to get back to shooting. A lot of independent small people. And when I say small, I'm not talking about non-industry, non-studio, mm -hmm. are trying to right. get back to shooting again to make that money because they feel like they're losing out on something, but they're really creating a dangerous situation. And you got to look at everyone's policy. You got to look at SAG's policy. You got to look at the Writers Guild, the Directors Guild. You got to look those policies, even though you may not be in those guilds, may not be a member of these unions, maybe the people you're working with aren't, but at the end of the day... Their policies are the ones you want to go by because that's about protection. Yeah. Those contracts, did you, did, use them. Yeah. Did you see the, um, because if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Lionsgate. They just came out with guidelines for when people go back on set. A nurse practitioner is now a part of the crew. Uh, the way they do craft services will change. The way they used to do buffets and all the foods was sitting out in the open. Really packaged. That is a thing of the past. Everything yeah. will be individually packaged. Uh, the the crews will get smaller. Um, you know, hand sanitizer, gloves, masks. All of this will now be a part of a set. Things that you never thought would be a part of a set will now be a part of a set. People actually being there to take your temperature every single day. Separation. Um, only, you know, essential people that are supposed to be on set will now be on set. No one can visit sets anymore. So now this, this is this. These are all the guidelines that are coming out. 
So to all of the independent filmmakers who are deciding to get back out there and, and, and do this, like Mike said, what you better do is you better follow what the big people are doing, because God forbid, if you shoot a film and you have all of these people on your set congregating, they're not doing this social distancing, you know, they're not, you know, using hand sanitizer or whatever, and somebody gets sick. And God forbid somebody dies. Mm. That's all on you. Yeah, man. So you better do it the right way. And once again, that ties into you treating yourself as a business and implementing good business practices. And you you, you gotta do this. You gotta do it. Because if not, you know, the bottom line is this the way things are now, if you are not doing things in the right way, if, if you have a fledgling company or whatever, uh, your, your, your company's not going to last. It's not going to survive. Because first of all, when people see a company doing it the right way, mm-hmm. and then they come on your set and see how jacked up you are, ain't nobody right. going to want to work for you. You may get away with it the first time, but after right. that, they'd be like, yo, how was that set? Like, yo, man, dude didn't have any hand sanitizer. They didn't have this. They had people all on top of each other. You don't want to work for them. So, you, you know, you better get it together because I think a new day is coming. I think this is also a, a different um, aspect and approach on how, uh, let's just say, I'll just give an example. Let's say if you're going to do a crowd scene, you can't do that anymore. No, you cannot. However, I know that visual effects companies will now start to implement in placing like maybe one particular uh, actor in a green screen or a blue screen environment and then uh, um, either record them so that way they can be composited as if it's like a crowd in, in itself. Now, it, it may be, it, it may be, you know, something that could be believable. It might be, but you know, with the way technology is, like I was watching uh, the Star Wars gallery, and now they're actually doing projection uh, types of footage on LED screens mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. in a like like if you walk into they, they call it the volume. Uh, you walk into this room and the actual wall itself is a nothing but an LED, huge LED screen. Mm. And the LED screen will actually project high definition to like the pixel perfect uh, uh, look on uh, you being in front of what appears to be a crowd, but that crowd was already pre-recorded. Right. You know what I mean? So it's a completely different look and how that might get set up. So I think it's a great opportunity for visual effects artists because now they're going to be in much more higher demand because they're like, listen, we're going to need this scene to have a believability factor where we're going to be shooting a crowd. But, you know, with the with the COVID, we can't do like 12 people in the whole scene. We're going to have to do either repositioning, maybe like three or four people, but repositioning them on uh, like six feet apart, but green screening them and then compositing them on a live actor that could be, you know, either on something of a, uh, uh, like the LED screen that I mentioned or something else. So it, it is a brand new day, but I, but I think someone else had hinted to it. that It's going to be an animator's world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be an animator's world. It's going to be a voiceover actor's world. It's going to be a VFX world. And it's going to be a clever, very clever and eclectic manner on how filmmakers, especially if you're independent, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a different way and manner as to how they're going to be approaching certain stuff. So producers are going to be on the horn looking for anybody and everyone that they know that's in their arsenal that's going to be the unorthodox manner just because we're living in an unorthodox time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. 
you know, it's exciting to know that that may be happening. That may be coming down the pike. But, you know, that's just keeping our heads in the swivel. Like, if we want to start shooting at, you know, what are the dangers? You know, now that we need a nurse on set, now that we need a, a prac, like a nurse practitioner on set or someone that's like, a, like an EMT service. And sometimes those temperature readings, they could be false positives. So they may have a, a, an in-depth type of uh, situation. Mask, uh, you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting in the next, I would I, say, next five months. I saw an image of a whole production being shot with very few people in the room, but everybody was wearing yes. a bodysuit. Did you see that? And mask, yes. yeah, yes. And I was like, yes. wow. Mm-hmm. Please send me that link. I want to see that. Yeah, the person was just on a green screen and everybody spread out. Contagion. Where where did you guys see it at? Where did you guys see it? Somebody shared it in Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I find it, I'll send you the image. But I was just like, that's what it's going to look like now. You're going to have to buy the suits and everything because you're not thinking about it. And that's the thing. Now there's there's, there's more money going to be spent out for your production. So you have to now think about the medical cost and the prevention and you definitely have to be insured like that should be the first thing that when you're raising money for your production you're looking at insurance and actually a lot of the companies like sag and every they ask you that they ask you are you insured um and the thing is maybe you're not shooting the latest gangster film and there's no guns on your set right now because that's that's you know those you got to change your storyline and it's gonna mm-hmm. be man, I I won't be surprised if I see a bunch of I am legend type movies come out. <laughs> Listen, and, and someone just mentioned that they mentioned that you know for some of the some of the um, technology that's being used, they're using video game technology in order to incorporate in certain the films. Mm-hmm. Like right. if you're, I don't know if you if you're familiar with like let's just say like um, the people that created Fortnite, they're creating this type of technology where. An actor can be on camera, but in in the actual viewport, it's integrating into a completely new environment, a real time. Mm -hmm. So as they're turning the camera, the environment is turning with them. I urge anybody, if you are looking at, if you've got Disney Plus or if you subscribe to Disney or if you can find it, go and look at the technology aspects under the gallery for The Mandalorian. When I saw The Mandalorian, I was thinking to myself like, oh, they shot this like somewhere in the desert. Nope. This was a set. Mm-hmm. One set. Maybe in the mm-hmm. back lot they did something else. In terms of like, you know, maybe like the uh environment like the um like a city or like uh, a particular like you know, like like a uh, landmark where people are like walking around. But most of the stuff, the environments, the the texture, the the entire scenes itself, all LEDs, all screens, and they can adjust it on the fly. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's gonna be that kind of world where like Mike said, it's going to be an I Am Legend kind of world or kind yeah. of like look and feel just because of the fact that that's where this is going to be heading. So technology is going to be reintegrating and re-innovative on top of the innovation that's already that's, so that's out there. Then as an independent filmmaker and as a producer, now you got to get comfortable with new technology. you got to be mm-hmm. learning the, what's out there and right. what's available. Right. You know? And it's not costly from what I understand. It's like... It's very under, I mean, we're talking about Disney here, but, you know, if someone has a, a liable, a viable budget that's within their means, 
to, 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 to dumb it down. Like, I remember there was times that we was using the Xbox sensor to try to map faces, uh, three-dimensional faces on characters, and it would work. And it was using an Xbox, the same type of technology that was there. So, I, I, you know, if someone can do a deep fake of Henry Cavill's face in Superman, <laughs> and and, and recorrecting his and recorrecting his mustache, you know, and, and and you had a viable company that was spending millions of dollars that looked like he was like, you know, had like three thousand grapes in his front of his lip or the top of his lip. I guarantee you, there's going to be technology that's going to be out there that someone's going to create that's going to have what we're what we're talking about. That's gonna you know that's gonna satisfy the independent filmmakers' needs because quite frankly. And, you know, for any directors and any producers that are out there that's watching, you know, these are the type of things that you have to be aware of and, and be uh, uh, savvy with to knowing how to interact with these types of technology. And if you're not aware of that, to get on board with it, because yeah. that is the wave of the future. And it is technology yeah. gets smaller and smaller. So does the the, the ideas of how to, you know, the, the days of green screen is going to be very much over. Uh, the day of green screen is going to be over in the next 10 years. So with the way that they, things have got going now. So it's great to have directors that know and how to integrate with that technology, know how to work with that so that way they can integrate their repertoire and, and, and their savvy when it comes to, you know, working with another project on, you know, that they have later down in their, their career. So, yeah. So, and, yeah. 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 And they're also going to have to, you know, I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about, you know, how they're going to be doing, um, you know, camera shots now, you know, uh, how, like you were saying, like the close-ups, I think of the past, but they were saying they're, they're starting to, you know, teach the, the cinematographers how to basically trick the cameras to make it look like it's a close-up. Longer lenses. So, so people on the indie level, see, this is what, see, this is what you're now competing with. This is this is what this is what's going to start hitting these film festivals, you know. Mm -hmm. The people that mm -hmm. are getting on the right side of this, this is what you're going to start competing with. So again, you got to do your due diligence and you've got to do your homework because if you're a producer, things change all the time. time. You know Amen. what we were talking about <laughs> three weeks ago could could. Be obsolete right now because yeah. the, 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 the landscape is changing so quickly and every day we learn something new and then they say, oh, well, we got to scrap that. And we got to do something else. We got to do this. So it's, it's, it's extremely important as a producer to be on the cusp of what's going on. And I'll just take, you know, myself as an example, you know, uh, we usually hold our award show now. Couldn't do it. You know, so it can't stay the same. Right. It cannot stay the same. So we're 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 thinking of different ways that you know we, we can change it up. But one thing that we decided to do, we usually would have all of our screenings in person. Not doing that anymore. Mm. So it's gonna be like a split, depending on you know the types of films that we're screening some of those films, some of those films will be screened exclusively online because what it's doing is it's cutting down on the contact that people have with each other. Right. So you, 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 you have to start thinking in ways to 
for lack of a better term, upgrade your company to bring it into compliance with the new world. Perhaps you know, because if you're, if, if you're well, doing business, well, it's not even if. You can no longer do business the old way. It's done. Right. You have it's to have done. forethought. The, the thing is about producing and getting into any business as the business person, <laughs> you have to have forethought. You have to kind of project like you're going to project your numbers. You got to project mm-hmm. where the market is going, where it's changing. When I sat here, as uh, soon as uh, Zuckerberg announced on Facebook that they're going to have private rooms and you'll be able to mm-hmm. charge people. I was like, that's a film screening in the house because right. you can right. get Facebook TV through your Apple, through your Roku, through your Amazon, you you can get it on there and watch whatever you want. So mm-hmm. for independent filmmakers, we have the beauty of may, when we do make our content, this is how we can display it and we can charge mm-hmm. as if people are going to the movies. So no, you might not be able to get on iTunes, but Vimeo, <laughs> YouTube Live, Vimeo. Right. Uh, and Facebook, and even Instagram, you you're gonna you might even have Zoom rooms where people have to get a certain password to get in. It, it, the market is going to change, and we have to change with it. But we gotta project it. We gotta go. Right. You know what? Hold up. I'm gonna use this tool because then you. I tell you about you become the expert when you start doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and people start looking for you for answers because mm-hmm. you know exactly what the ins and outs is. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, right now we could be screening somebody's movie. I can literally play a film right here, right now, without right. a problem. It was actually done. It was actually uh, there was a screening of the film that was someone was that shot a year ago, and then they actually had the chance to just to display it. You know, and I actually I mentioned you, Floyd. I was like, yo, when this thing gets when when Floyd stuff gets moving, you really need to submit it because it's just that good. And you know, how well, that you. would yeah, of course that's, that's what we always do, <laughs> uh, but. Um, the way that he did it, he used a Zoom technology. He, mm-hmm. he he had us all in a room, and then he then projected the film through Zoom. Now, there's there's the technological aspect because if people don't have their equipment or they don't have certain things set up, then yes, the sound quality or maybe lacks a certain way. So there's other avenues. Like Floyd, I was thinking, you know, perhaps maybe you would do a Vimeo, like shoot, like put it on Vimeo so that we could be seen, that way you could hear it. There's no interruptions. There's no uh, destruction of content, like, you know, maybe like uh, buffering or what have you. You can see it there. And then Zoom call your 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 um, your people, your management, and then say, what do we think? You know, so that way it's less contact. And for for what, what Mike was saying, you can actually get people you can charge them like, hey, here's the code. You know, it's like it's like a digital download. We're going back. Bro, to we, we already ahead of you. <laughs> we're exploring that stuff. My See, dad. this is what I'm talking about. We, we were talking about this when this first hit. Okay, we were talking about man. that when this first hit. And see, that's what I'm saying. But no, 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 Mike, I'm just playing. But Mike, see, edit a, that, please. <laughs> no, no, you know what? Do not edit that because that's the fourth thought we've been talking about. People know this. Gotcha. People need to know this. Gotcha. When, okay. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what the major studios are doing. This is what the major studios are thinking about. And you can look at SSXW, SSXW, Tribeca, Sundance, all of those. Those guys have partnered with Stage 32. They partnered with Amazon because at the moment they can't do any brick and mortar festivals. So they've partnered with those guys to stream the films. 
So as an independent filmmaker, as an independent producer, you must think like the studios, okay? Because you're not as big, but you still have a product. Shoot, right. You want streaming on Black Filmmakers Lounge. Yo, for real. But you have a product. You want people to see that product. So what are you doing to get the product to the people? You know, you could, like you said, you could use Vimeo. It's going to cost you some money, but you're a business, so it's an, it's an investment. Right. And right. you know, you 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 purchase it, and then you do whatever. But we actually, you know, our marketer is is basically exploring different platforms that we can that we can do that on. Because, like I said, we were supposed to have a workshop a couple of months ago. We 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 had to push it back, and finally, I just canceled it. And then our uh, three day film showcase, which is next month, we're exploring platforms where we can show. All the films, actually, the uh, notifications for who got selected go out on the 31st. But that's going to be fully digital because this this is not going to be over by next month. So we're like, right. OK, well, how do we get how do we get these films out? So right now we're testing different platforms. So if you're a filmmaker and you are not testing different platforms for your film, you have already lost. Right. Unless you get started. You cannot sit and wait on things to go back to the way they were because they're never going to go back to that. You have to immerse yourself in the new normal and say, okay, right now everything's visual. I mean, look at it. Facebook created a room. How long did it take them to do that? That was, a, that was within a month. That, that was that. that was, soon as Zoom came out, Facebook was like, we Bam. need to get on this. Right. Absolutely. And see, as a, as a producer, that is how you have to think. As soon as it hits the ground, it's old because Zoom did it and Facebook's like, we got to do it. And guess what? This is the new normal because Zoom did it, Facebook did it. Now you're going to see everybody else doing the same thing because somebody, I can't remember who it was, but someone was having a conversation with Facebook. They were in a meeting and this was about a little over a month ago. And this is how quickly Facebook moved. They were in a meeting with Facebook and they asked Facebook if Facebook have the type of capability that they have right now. And the people in the room said, well, no. That's something we, we we didn't think about because you didn't need it. And here we are a month later, Facebook got a room. That's there's how quickly also, that moved. That's how quickly also, that moved. So Derek Hammond said things like that Patreon. have been in the works for years. Sometimes, and, yeah. But in the technology and, realm, they actually move really fast. They like three, three, two to three months. If an idea comes up when it comes to tech, it, it, it's... Mm-hmm. Your your next iPhone, the iPhone twelve has already been done. They're working right. on thirteen and fourteen. Right, we're behind. Patreon, Patreon is also another uh, good outsource if people have not been using or knowing anything about it. That was also mentioned as well. Oh, to uh, get paid, yeah. yeah, Patreon is another one. Um, there's 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 like I two mean, different ones. But Patreon are, is one of the bigger ones. Look, bloggers and YouTubers and Instagram people, they're using Cash App, Zillow. They're they're using all Patreon. They're using all types of things. Filmmakers, listen, my my when I did my first feature. I learned a valuable lesson. I told myself I didn't market this film totally well enough. That's number one. Mm-hmm. And the reason I said that was I put a trailer on the internet, but I didn't put a trailer on TV. And see, I, that was a mistake to me because what do other movies do? The, the studios put it on television. Now, right. to put a trailer on TV, it doesn't cost as much as people think it does. It, it might be seven. 800 to a thousand dollars to run it in a particular market but when Mm -hmm. you really think about that 
if I if I know my film's audience and I know who I'm directing to, my niche market, then I know that okay, I'm going to time hit. slot with whatever it is that you're looking for. That time exactly. slot, that people is going to be watching it, right? Mm-hmm. So there's and like eleven o'clock in the morning. Everybody's watching all my children. You bring your joint because you <laughs> right. know who's going to be. If you know your target audience is all my children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and it. and that's the crazy thing. Even a web series, people don't is think my, about. Is all my marketing. children still on? Probably. <laughs> no. I don't know. No, there are not, still some soaps on. Not. I don't watch them. But at the end Neither of the day, I. I got caught up with Court TV. I, um, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I watch this myself. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it, that's that forethought. Because if you got a 30-second commercial and you run it. Now, here's the other thing. If you got a 30-second and your boy got a 30-second commercial, that's a 60-second commercial. Y'all put your money together and those two films, commercials, play together and it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. Right. We like have to, how to be do it in smart. The yes. Mm-hmm. So, so let me see. Yeah, to what Derek said. Yeah, it, it's been at work for years. And then acting like Tanya uh, said, it's just the food lines of code that Facebook had to write to create the room like Zoom. But check this out. And they're absolutely right. Yeah. Right. They they moved up their timetable. Mm-hmm. To get and in on it. the studios, if we go back to what you were talking about, Lewis, about studios were considering streaming just you know doing new releases at home pvod that was something that they had been talking about for a while while yes i remember yeah they really weren't talking about doing it right now right right well right they had pushback because this was about 2004 2005 because kevin spacey and some other people had all come together and they were developing this company that mm-hmm. was going to stream movies after they released the first night in theaters, they're going to be available to stream. And they had a bunch of pushback from the movie theaters. They, right. they did not like that. They said they were going to lose money. And they were, yeah, they, Derek said it, they were totally against it. They were against it, against it right. And, and so it pushed it back. But then Apple comes on. Apple mm-hmm comes in, they have movies that play in limited run theaters and they have it on Apple and you were paying like Mm -hmm. um, $12.99, $17.99, whatever. Depending on the movie, you could even rent it for $6.99. But it was a little bit more than the normal cost of renting a movie. And it was was, you could watch it then. Next thing you know, here comes this, right? You got Mm -hmm. Amazon. They're all getting in this game. COVID was is now the push to change this mm-hmm. industry everything right. right and so you have movies like invisible man trolls mm-hmm. all and then you so disney holds back they let out um outward bound or something like that outward or whatever cartoon is they put that on disney plus then they released it for people to rent mm-hmm. right they couldn't buy it they could rent it they did it with a couple movies. Now they got them. I'm going to let you rent. Then I'm going to let you buy. And the cost right. for buying, the new movie out, I'm trying to think, Scooby-Doo. Scooby is now available. Yeah. $19.99 to rent. $24.99 for sale. To, so, right. Mm-hmm. Which would you initially, it, initially, it was both for renting and for purchasing. If I'm not mistaken, it was both $19.99. But I think that they changed the format. It was like, you know, they get more money. If they actually get the more of the of the purchase versus the renting, but so you're more likely you know, you to purchase because it is but four or five dollars more, right? Yeah. You're gonna purchase so, it. 
But yeah. um, wow, it was something that you said, Mike. It was something that you said about um, the 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 the, the time. It was a, it, there's a time scale. COVID actually just made it so that way you have no choice. But there was a time right. scale. Right. The time scale was that they would release it on theaters. The theaters would have its run, whatever its time frame. Three, three was. months. Right. It was a three to, month to, right. run. Three months right. after its last run is when right. it dropped. And then it would go. And then it would go and stream. Now it's like direct. Actually, that's gonna be that's gonna be the way. And someone just said it's gonna kill the theaters. But yeah, it was. But here's <laughs> the thing: it was already gonna do anyway. that. So what, studios was looking to do that anyway. So it's, yeah. studios is like word cool. What pushed mm-hmm. that time schedule up to three months? Because it used to be six months, and then it became three, and now it's either a month or two after it's been released yeah, now in theaters. It's two weeks. Because digital down people downloading and pirating digitally caused the market to shift and change. And we right. have to understand that that they're, the, the companies are trying to get on it and make their money as quick as possible because they know right. they're losing money. When I can hop online and do uh, bit downloads and get whatever movie or there's right. this website I can go to and I can watch whatever movies are in movie theaters for right. free because kids do it. The younger, right. the problem is everybody thinks an older generation mindset because you're older. Mm-hmm. You now have to think about the coming up generation and shift to that because most of the money made from mostly anything is kids. Mm-hmm. People don't understand that. And, and so this is why your content you, kids watch everything, anything they can get away with watching. Let's be right. honest. <laughs> right. When I was a kid and there was cable, yeah. I would turn it on because the sound was good and the wiggly lines, every now and then I'll get a good picture. But at the end of the day, yeah. I'll see what I can see. <laughs> <laughs> Show, showtime, man, showtime after dark, man, listen, it was a whole new world. <laughs> and like, so what's this? Like, you're, what? Right, right, and your market is changing. <laughs> Right? The market is changing. Yeah. You got this millennial market. You got these other markets who don't like spending a lot of money in the first place. Look, Netflix and chill became a big thing. Yeah. Matter yeah. of fact, it became such a big thing. I was eating ice cream called Netflix and chilling. Mm, <laughs> Lou yeah. sent me a message like, really now? <laughs> so so we yeah. have to... We got to see where it's going. And as a producer, your job is to get understand this market for your film and if your film is right for the market at the time. Because there's plenty of sports films that are just still sitting on the shelf right now that will be mm-hmm. released later. There are plenty of movies that have been shot two, three years ago that are going to start going to be released now because they can't shoot anything else. So now right. the timing shifts. And so animation is going to be the big thing for the next two years because why? Right now, Netflix is focused on animation. They're sending home packages to actors' homes for them to record on and send that stuff back. They're letting people record in their closet. They're teaching how to pad it up and stuff. This is changing, and we got to change to suit it. And yeah, for us as black filmmakers, we do need to get into more children films. We need to get into animation. So if there's any animation animators out there watching this, you need to start hollering at people on the Black Filmmakers Lounge and say, yeah. hey, um, I do how animation. Do I do yeah, or if I'm trying to get into it, how do I get into it? Exactly. Like, what are those steps? You know, um, what was the... Uh, you, um, there was something about... Something that you said about animation, Mike, um, about, like, that's the, that's the next gear. You know, it, surprisingly, you would not believe how many opportunities are out there that are just, like, so many untapped. Like, there are animators out there that are, like, so happy 
that <laughs> now their product is now finally getting uh, recognized and now finally they can actually start getting moving and working. Right. You know, and they don't even have to go anywhere. They can do, the, do this in the privacy of their own studio. So you're absolutely right. And I was reading something on, on the effect of where, how, where, why we will we start seeing more animators or more animation in the next coming maybe like five to six months, you know, between now and to the, towards the end of the year and how much more, like I just saw it on, on uh, Nickelodeon, I mean, not on Nickelodeon, on Netflix, Frick, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Season the first three seasons. Yeah, they brought that's it back. O- that that was only strictly on Nickelodeon for a while. Now it's mm-hmm. on Netflix. Oh, that's because Netflix got a Nickelodeon deal because they lost but Disney. Right, though. right, yeah. right, right. right. <laughs> Which is smart though. But I think that you know what is there? What is Nickelodeon's? I think Crown Jewel. Either Sponge. It's either SpongeBob, or uh, or it's going to be uh, Teenage uh, the, Mutant the Ninja Turtles Airbender. and the Last Airbender. Right. Yeah. I think. I mean, for for the nostalgia Ninja Turtles, but I think. For the, I think for like one of the the I would say the crown jewels, SpongeBob and and and, and Avatar. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a brave new world, and people yeah. definitely need to be aware that this is something that you have to be, you know, transitioning your mindset. You cannot more no longer think about you know when's my next feature film coming out. It's going to be feature feature animation at this point. Yeah. you know, and, and and you should be cool with that. Yeah, and, and also if if there's anyone in the room, if you have a script that you've written and, you know, it's just sitting there. Or if you have a feature film that you've worked on and you haven't done anything with it, my suggestion, because like Mike said, nothing is being shot right now. So you have aggregators, you have studios, you have these executives out combing the bushes for good content. Yeah. Folks, I'm telling you, I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago with Alex Ferrari and Steve Botto, the creator of Stage 32. And he said they are on the phone every day. And executives are like, what do you have? Who's got something? What's out there? They are looking because the pipeline is drying up. So and the ideas have, as well. <laughs> yeah. So if you are a filmmaker Shoot. and you have have a script and you think it's something that you could do something with, do yourself a favor. Hire you someone that does professional script coverage to rip it apart, give you notes, have you put it back together where it can be packaged, where you could actually send it to someone because they're looking for it. If you have a film and it's a good film, I would send it out to someone who's extremely experienced in editing, sound design, coloration and get your film to a point where you're like it's studio ready where it can be packaged where you can send it because they are looking this is the perfect opportunity for an independent filmmaker whereas a couple of years ago you would have had to go through proper channels you still have to go through proper channels but it's a little easier now that you would have to go through certain channels to get your 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 script or your work in front of the correct people. Those lines are being relaxed somewhat because once again, the content is drying up because no one is filming. So right. if you have a film, and especially like if you have, uh, what, like what I was saying earlier, a niche market that you can pitch to them and say, hey, this is what I have. This is the demographic that I'm targeting. Take a look at it. 
Let me know what you think. But only after you clean it up and get it to where it's studio ready. Don't send them no junk. Right. But get it, get it right and then send it to somebody and take advantage of what's going on. Be ahead of the curve. Don't be behind the curve. Be ahead of it. So I, <laughs> I, I would highly recommend that to, to everybody that's listening that, that may actually, you know, have some content because I'm telling you, they need it. They really need it. I was surprised. Oh, yeah. how much content they are actually looking for and they actually need there's a need for it hey we we gotta we have to fulfill it and like with the animation aspect i'm saying like people there were when i was a kid there was like a lot of reddit archon um animation cartoons out there um look it's animation is going to be for adults and kids and it's going to be for whomever. I remember learning the history of the Flintstones and the Jetsons. Those were primetime shows, just mm-hmm, like right. The Simpsons and Family Guy and stuff. So we we need to figure it out. I mean, think about how many black cartoons there are or black cartoons that represent us well without changing us into some animal or some other entity and letting us play all the way through. But that's a conversation for another day. But at the end of the day, we can do something that changes and shapes things. And we, as a producer, here's what I've come to realize. Like I said, and I said, I'll say it again. Kid content. We're missing kids. I'm not just talking about little kids. I'm talking about middle school and then high school content. We're shooting so far for that 20 up because Mm -hmm. we're comfortable. We're in a comfort zone. But we got to break that comfort zone because there's an audience out there that we don't have a lot of content for who can't see ourselves and we know how to make that content for them because a lot of people have kids. Mm -hmm. And so what would you make for your own kids? What stories would you want to tell for your kids? So That's how Harry Potter came along. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we, as as independent black filmmakers in this industry, we got to start reshaping it and making it for us and mm-hmm. um, you know, catalog it, break it down. You got your different genres, know what they are. Forethought, producers step on board, be like, hey, I need a cartoon. Because that's the producer's job right there. Find the content. That's number one. Mm-hmm. You find or create the content. As a producer, you either read a script and you option it. You hire a script writer to write a script. Or if you happen to be a script writer who can produce and get everybody in that you need, you do that. There's so, and then you partner up with people. You find the right director to go in the right direction. There's software to teach you how to do a storyboard. You do a mm-hmm. storyboard. I use storyboard quick. Um, I was about to buy this other storyboard thing but um, for the um, final cut. But at the end of the day, you put a storyboard together that an artist can understand and break it down for them, and they can see your film play out, all they got to do is draw your characters and plug in your backgrounds. You could have two artists working. You have one just working on the characters solely and somebody just doing the backdrops. And then you can plug all that in and do your editing and your voiceovers. There, I know the software to use. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a Crazy Talk 3D, which allows you to import uh, vector um, art and mm-hmm. they create the bones to move the art stuff right. and then to move right. the eyes and the face you just plug it all in it's not right. a, it, this stuff isn't complicated you just got to learn it right well you, well, know? You, well you know what and let me say this let me say this because we talk about the different film groups that we're in mm-hmm. and how 
and and it's sad. And and, and I get, sometimes I just get so frustrated because I just I just like come on y'all, the amount of complaining about what is not being done for someone. And I was laying in the bed this morning, and this image kept running through my head. Somebody walking up to a table and asking, is this seat taken? Mm. And the reason that that kept running through my head was we mm. are so busy asking, is this seat taken at somebody else's table when we should be building our own table? Why are Always. you asking to sit at somebody else's table <laughs> when you have the ability and the tools to create your own table? And so many times in these groups, and that image, I was like, I'm going to meme that joint today. I'm gonna, I'm, I got to find me a, a table, and I'm going to pop that joint on Facebook, and I'm going <laughs> to do my, do my thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it later. But the thing was, it's like you're, you're, you're mad because Hollywood runs the way Hollywood runs, and you're mad at the system. I get it. So as opposed to being mad at the system, create your own system. Create your own system. It's real. It's real easy. You have say that resources and 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 people that you know that you could do certain things. But you so mad at Tyler Perry for 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 doing what he doing. But Tyler Perry has created his own system. Be mad at him all you want. The man has created his own system. He don't give up what you think because right. he has created his own system. So what what we as black filmmakers need to do is we need to get away from well, they ain't doing this and they ain't doing that. Okay, well, that, that's a movie that we all know the ending to. That's it's not a the rerun. responsibility. We've seen it 50 million times. So as opposed to saying, well, I don't like this movie, but I'm going to sit down and watch it again. How about you create your own movie? How about that? Bingo, how about you do it? I, Come on, come on. You know, because complaining to me is just white noise. I'm more interested in what you're producing. What you're, what you're creating, what you're bringing about. Who are you giving opportunities to? Who are you building relationships with? So that if and when you decide that you want to go the Hollywood route, you have a body of work and mm -hmm. you have an organization behind you where Hollywood will say, hmm, that's somebody I can partner with. Because the folks, I hate to break it to you, Hollywood don't give a about what color you are. The only color that they care about is green. is green. Yeah. So if you can generate money, they go with you. Absolutely. And, and guess what? If you own your stuff and you control, you don't have to, you can choose to mess with them or not. If you know your Absolutely. niche market, you don't even, you might not even need them. The way those mm -hmm. things are changing, the one thing our biggest mistake is saying that we, we always need someone else. And, and oftentimes, like I said, I've said this before, we often go up as opposed mm -hmm. to lateral. Right. And our moves should be lateral because when we lateral, we all come up. It's, it's eventually the boat's going to go up if the tide comes up. We got to hit it. But the problem is we got we promoting each other's stuff. We promoting each other's projects. The Bollywood don't need Hollywood. Nollywood don't need Hollywood. Why are we always talking about we need? Mm -hmm. And Hollywood has to go to them. When someone has mm -hmm. to come to you, your deal is structured differently because now they're knocking on your door. But when you're knocking right. on someone else's door, your deal is structured like anyone else trying to beg to get in. It's like right. people who got record deals who are like, I didn't know they robbed me. They didn't rob you. You needed them more than they needed you because mm -hmm. you didn't right. know why they needed you in the first place. You right. could, And when you don't understand business and you don't understand 
the power that you have, then somebody always going to take you for it because you don't stand your value. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The power you have collectively. Oh, yeah. You're more power. You're more powerful together. Mm -hmm. Remember that old saying this like this. Mm -hmm. You have no power Mm -hmm. when you're like this. They mm-hmm. can't move you. Yeah. They can't can't do nothing to a fist. Hey, and guess what? You ain't gotta like Tiffany Haddish. You ain't gotta like her to work with her. Because there has to be an end game. There has to be an end game. What is your end game? Right. That that's what you have to look at. You have to look at what is your end game in all of this. Why do you do this? Why why? What, what 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 is what is your what is your end goal? You know, are are you, are you trying to put content out there for you? Are you trying to put content out there for everybody? What is, what is your end game? And people get so caught up in their feelings mm-hmm. that they lose out on doing business. Do you honestly think that everyone in Hollywood, Nollywood, Bollywood, Englewood, uh, <laughs> you know, Crestwood? Do you do you really? think that all of them like each other oh okay you know what let's forget film let's forget film for a second i'm I'm gonna take it political Mm. do you really think that everybody that works for that fool in the white house likes him (laughs) no they don't but guess what he is the person that presents the best opportunity for them to get where they want to go Right. He is a door. He's a portal. And they will hold their noses and they will swallow bile and they will do it. Now, it's, it's immoral and it sucks, but right. they're like, I'm going to. And, and it's basically the entire GOP. They can't stand that man. <laughs> but guess what? They do anything you want. Mitch McConnell is flooding the lower courts with conservative judges. Mitch McConnell built that years ago. He wanted to put this implant, this plan into place years ago. And because he got that fool in there, he's like, okay, he's using me and I'm using him, but I'm getting what I want. Now, with us, Mm -hmm. it has to be more of a relationship type of thing. It shouldn't be, I'm going to use you and you're going to use me. But you have to present yourself in such a way that you're an opportunity for someone and someone is an opportunity for you. And that and that's the way it should work. Reciprocated, you get it. Absolutely, they, you give, you get, and that's how it should work. If, if everybody puts in, everybody gets out. It, the thing is, you don't come reaching your hand and you got nothing to put in. Figure out what you <laughs> can put in. And the funny thing is, there's a lot people can put in, but you got to recognize it within yourself what your values are and what you bring to the table. Lewis is always talking to me about uh, ethics, man, ethics, morals, and ethics. <laughs> and we like, I tell him, it's business is business. I get it, I get it. But you know, there's a, there, there's, a, I think there's a tie-in when you put that in perspective because, like Floyd was saying, you still have to have a relationship, and that mm-hmm. ties into the ethical part of my relationship with certain people or my relationship with certain filmmakers. I'm not going to do that same for everybody because of the simple mm-hmm. fact that they're unethical or they're unprofessional. Right. Or they do certain things that I'm, that just, I wouldn't even do, even though it is business, you know, I, what kind of, that means that if someone sees their film about, you know, killing baby cats, you know, and they found out that I was the visual effects person that actually was the, having the cat explode. <laughs> what kind of person am I? I took mm-hmm. the money. Right. I the money. <laughs> but, you know, am I cool watching them? Like, no, nah, I don't want to watch that. It's hard mm-hmm. enough for me to sit there and freaking do the effect of the cat exploding in the first place. <laughs> oh man! But the, uh, the idea, I'm serious. But but I'm right. saying that, that that's that's the type of 
you know, and of course, they go, oh man, that was the best explosion ever. And I'm like, really? <laughs> that's what you, that's what you looked at? You know, not the implication of that was real or not? Whatever. Mm-hmm. But anywho, that, that's, that's my stance on that. I get it's a business. Right. I get it's the idea that you're, you're in, you're in for profit because we are business minded. Uh, I just have to, I like, if Floyd says to me today or tomorrow, hey, hey, Lou, I need something. I'm going to work with Floyd 10 times over because I know that Likewise. His, his, his professionalism, you know, and it's very rare to have a Floyd out there. If I find Floyd's out there, if I find Derek Hammond's out there, if I find Michael Melvin's out there, I gravitate to those to those cats because I know if I find a. a uh, 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 a Mike Pender out there. If I find a Shannon Newby out there, I will gravitate to those guys because I know that their ethics match their 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 mindset as far as how how I want to work with them in a, on a business cap uh, capacity. Right. You know, I've had cats that would reach out to me and text me and give me a call and give me this the L.A. slash New York spiel <laughs> on 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 how much you know, man, I got this for you and I got that, you know. And I started talking about, okay, what's your budget? And they were like, well, you know, I'm you know who my name is. <laughs> my name is Blase Blah, and because of me, I'm gonna get you on. You know, I'm like, no, I don't need to be put on. I mean, because you're calling me if uh, you know you, you're you want what me. i got so, mm-hmm. right. pay for so, it yeah if it don't make dollars it don't make sense right there so you go there's a, there's a thin line i honestly believe there's a thin line when it comes to like especially on the independent level because i know one of these days one of you guys if not all of us you know i'm going to be having a conversation with you talking about some hey come on over i got this screening i need you to do for you know x x movie that i'm doing you know mm-hmm. or let me fly you out you know to blase block spot so we can all you know, hey, I'll put you up in the weekend for whatever so we can mm-hmm. see the screening of this film or what have you. I know that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that's going to happen. But, you know, like how the Spielbergs and the and the Lucases and the Four Coppolas and, you know, how those cats came together to, to do that on a, on a business mindset but still in a relationship aspect because they're friends. Right. You know, that is... I've always had that, like a Lionel Cook. I've always had that thought. Good brother. Good Good brother. Man, listen. Phenomenal brother. You know what I mean? And we've had that conversation. It was like, you know, would it be so dope to have that right here in Philly, you know, or with wherever the, wherever, you know, the reaches of the universe are that we at. But the idea is that, you know, it's very rare to have those kind of people. So, you know, and I think getting back to the topic on production aspect, I, it's the same way with producers. You know, uh, Kevin Foggy and uh, uh, Jeff Johns work together. You know, I'm quite sure that they will call each other on the phone to have like conversations about, hey, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing? What can I do this or what can I do that? Jeff, you know, Kevin was not Kevin before Kevin became Kevin. If that makes mm-hmm. any sense, right. Kevin Absolutely. was not. Kevin was not. If everybody don't know who Kevin Foggy is, Kevin Foggy is the mastermind. Now he is running all of Marvel, from the comic books to the uh, to the to the cartoons and to the cinematic universe. He runs the whole Marvel gambit, and he's tiptoeing tiptoeing over on Star Wars. Because I don't know if you guys knew this, but Kevin was really more of a Star Wars head mm-hmm. than he was uh, a Marvel head. But you know. I digress, but he was before he became before he became a Marvel, you know, CEO of uh, uh, or head of Marvel as a producer. He had to work on other, you know, with other projects, mm-hmm. projects that really weren't that's you know that weren't that huge. But 
he got he gained that 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 notoriety on you know what I see what this person did let me let me tap their head as far as what they did to make you know so that way I can up my game you know like if I could get Kevin Foggy as a mentor man listen that's all I need get me as your mentor sir I will man anyway I so. When, I, when 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 ethics is is a part of it, I, I honestly believe producers do the same metho- uh, mythology on. I'm not going to just work with anybody. No, I'm not going to just tag, wrangle anybody in. I want the best of the best, but I need the best of the best that I know that works for my project. So, right. it, I, you know, I, this person may not work for me because they don't think on the same mindset or they don't have the same type of outlook that I have, or they're not, they're not on that run and gun game where, you know, we're here to, if I'm working on your project, you're working on my project, you know, I'll produce your film. I'll executive produce your film. You present produce my film. That's, that's the way that the, the camaraderie should be. And not to say that it's not there, it's getting there. Mm-hmm. And trust me with COVID, we're, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We're going to have, we're going to have to rely on one another. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, because and the world is too small not to be able to work together on 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 things that we know that we should be doing. So yeah, that's my three cents. And I think Derek Hammond was saying something. I don't know if he was. Saying yeah, he. Uh, but you know what? While we're looking, um, Eric Thomas said something a couple when I was listening to his uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Eric Thomas said, "Thank you, Jacoby. Buddy. I'm not trying to deal with people that are good because I'm great." Ah. And he was like. He was like, I'm tired of dealing with people that are good because I'm great. And if anybody knows Eric Hip Hop, Preach Thomas, the, yeah. the guy is absolutely phenomenal. And he didn't, he wasn't trying to come off arrogant, but he was just being real about who and what he is and where he is, what space he's in right now. And that kind of goes to what you're talking about with integrity. You got to get to a point where you can't just say you're going to work with anybody and everybody. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with being a teacher. There's nothing wrong with being a mentor. But if if you guys and I know it's going to sound kind of funky, but if you guys aren't equally yoked and you're trying to come in as a partnership, oftentimes it's not going to work because you guys aren't bringing the same level of expertise to the table. Right. And if you're in charge of the project and they're coming on, you know, as a, uh, an associate, whatever, that may work. But you you, you got to get in a, into the mindset of not to be so desperate to work with everybody. If you are really doing really good things and putting in real solid, serious work, your mindset. Had, and when he said, it, I was like, yo, mm. and I was like, <laughs> that is so great. And, and the other day I was saying, I want to be great. I don't want to be good. I right. want to be great so that when somebody says Floyd Marshall, they're like, oh, that guy. That guy's great. That's, that's <laughs> what I want to be. And that's basically what Eric Thomas was saying. I don't want to work with good people because I'm great. It's not wrong with being good because you're on your way to being great. But some good people are lazy and they cool and good. And some good people just want or OK people or half decent people or somewhat decent people just want the label of. I'm this, I'm that, as opposed right. to putting into work for I'm this, I'm that. And and that's the thing, because Lewis, you know, we talked about it. I have people approach, I want to be a producer. And I was like, nah, 
not right now. Especially if I see that they don't know what producing is. I just got to ask you a couple of questions. If you can't answer them questions, I already know. Mm-hmm. That's a waste of time mm-hmm. right. and money. Right. 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 That's, this is a business. Unless they're, unless they're an executive producer. You know, I mean, they, you're bringing the money in. Right. They don't have to be involved. But, then, but you have no say-so. You got to... I mean, they have say-so of how the money's being spent, so things like that. But at the end of the day, the producer's job is to see a film from beginning to end and make the money back. So right. the, executive producer, the executive producer actually, he believes or she believes in that person anyway. And so, they find the money. They don't just put right. in money. They find money. Their job is right. to find the money. That's why people are like, well, what's an executive producer? Executive producer is the financial side of the business. That's the person who's bringing the money in. They're either finding it or they're putting some money in. That's why you can see a film has multiple executive producers because those are the people who've invested in that and who have an investment in that product. So right. they, they're going to get their money back. And they understand the hierarchy that they're like, this is my lane. Right. I'm providing the financial. This is Floyd. He's the producer. He handles the production side on how this thing develops. And whoever that's underneath him or whoever that he's working Your with, associates. that's their contr- the associate or then hiring the director, then that would be their project. So right. I cannot intermingle with Floyd's selection on you know who he chooses because once he's chosen that person i already understand that that person is what floyd wants because that's who floyd hired and that's that person's now film so we're all backing one another and we should be in our lanes backing one another you know now if it becomes like a like a back to the future where the person that we have in front of the camera isn't working then that's a whole different subject, you know what I mean. Right. But it, we're still backing one another in terms of is this is this working? Does this does this uh, does this, this particular avenue and what we're taking is that making it make sense? Does it look does it look right? You know. And then do we need to go back to the person that's handling the money and say to them, hey, we need more? I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, I already gave you, you know. So it, it's there's like a, I think there's there should be an honor amongst producers or honor amongst production team or honor amongst professionalisms or professionals to know that where we are, where we stand and how we should be doing things. And if we are doing things the, 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 you know, the, in the way that why we're in even the business in the first place. Know your yeah. craft. Enough said. Yeah, yeah know your craft. And, and, like, yeah, I'm going to throw and this know your out lane too. And stay know your lane. Stay in your lane. Please do. You know your craft. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I won't say stay in your lane in a sense, but what I will say is don't change lanes until you know how to drive in the lane you're in. Well, this is what I mean by staying in your lane. That's a good... I, I, I could take that. I could take that. This, this is what I mean by that. And basically, yeah, what you just said. Because what happens is you have some that think they can drive in multiple lanes at once. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that causes chaos. So... Or waste and, money. And I say this more to the people that are in the room. Be like, Derek, Derek Hammond, I ain't really, you know, because... You, you, you know what's going on. But to, to those who may be just starting out or whatever, if it's, your, if it's your film and it's your production, one of the first things that you want to do before you step on set, listen to me, before you step on set, create your hierarchy. Create your hierarchy. Because what you don't want, hap- what you don't want to have happen is you get on set and you have 10,000 chiefs, but no Indians. 
So create your hierarchy from the door. So everyone will know exactly what their role is. Mm -hmm. Everyone will know what their lane is. Now, what you don't want to do is not allow people to give you feedback. That was one thing that I would always do on my sets. Uh, like I remember one time when I was um, filming Love and Litigation years ago and uh, Walter, it was Walter DeShields, it was Lionel Cook, and I can't remember who the third person was, but they were having a conversation. The lawyers, they were lawyers, they were having a conversation. And me and Angelique were sitting in the back listening to the scene and this is a no-no that you never do, but they stopped the scene in the middle of the scene <laughs> and they said, that doesn't work. That doesn't work because we don't talk like that. We wouldn't talk like that, you know, and you, you have to be flexible enough where, and I, I don't recommend you having anybody stop a scene in the middle of a damn scene. I don't recommend that, but you have to have enough flexibility where you allow feedback on your set, but you want to create a hierarchy. So there's no chaos. You don't want certain people coming to you saying, well, I think things should be done this way. And I think things should be done that way. You definitely want to create a hierarchy so you're occupying your lane. Now, if the if the producer asks you to switch lanes, then by all means, switch lanes. But if you have a particular job to do on that set, then that's what you should do and do it well. So, right. Yeah. That's what you were hired for. Mm -hmm. And actors in the moment would probably I, I, just the names that you the, the names that you rattled off. I was like, yeah, I can see that because mm -hmm. they're they're in the moment. Right. They're in they're they're in that they're in that they want to make that scene as as best as possible because of the belief in the material that they're reading and their 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 characters that they're performing, the person who is executing the direction and the person who is actually putting the, the, the project together. There's mm -hmm. a there's a belief factor in all of those trends and all of those systems why they would want something like that to happen. I would actually be very, you know, leery eyed if someone was like, "Yeah, that scene was great," and it mm -hmm. was abs and it's absolute trash. And then Yo, actor, <laughs> and, no one, and no one wants to make adjustments, and no one wants to discuss or talk, or no one wants no. to say, you know, whatever. Or an executive producer comes on there and is like, "You know what? I'm the one that paid five billion dollars for this thing to get done. I'm going to be the one that's directing that." You know that that I. You know, if, when you start having that kind of project and that kind of systems and those type of things in place, I think you should just give it up, you know, so or just say, you know what, <laughs> I'm going to go back to shooting weddings. That was easy. <laughs> so I'm going to drop this. This is the producer hierarchy, just so people know. One, executive producer is up on the top. That's the money. Okay. Then you have the producer. That's the entire project. All right. <laughs> then you got the co-producer. And then... You got your line producer and then your associate producers or junior producers, however you want to put it. Right. right? And under the, under the producer on the actual project side is the director. Okay. And he has his other, they have their other departments broken down, but those are the main top people that are dealing with. So once you've set that up, you should know how it's run. Okay. If you don't know how it's run from there, you're already going to go into chaos. Yeah, you know, bottom line, and you just you just can't. You got to think ahead, you got to plan ahead, and you got to know to cut ties after a project or during a project. Mm. There's so many directors mm. that get fired. So many people walk out, but like, you know what? Mm. Mm. So, and do it, and do, and get, okay, and get into the habit, get into the habit okay. of doing this on 
the smallest project. Get into the habit of doing this on the smallest smallest project because in in reality, the project may be small to me or Lewis or Mike, but it's not small to you. Your $500 film to you is a half billion dollar Marvel film to someone else because it's the exact same thing. So you should approach it with the same exact mindset that you would if you were on a set of a Marvel movie or Wakanda 2, whatever. Because if you you approach your $500 to $1,000 budget film in the same way, in the same manner, you will be so above and beyond and so ahead of so many filmmakers because they're being lackadaisical about it. But if you are on point with yours, if you are crossing the T's and dotting the I's and every, everybody show up on time and being extremely professional and coming to set off book and having the proper crew and having craft services so you can feed your hungry actors that you probably ain't paying you will be amazed at who will seek you out. And, it, and, and, I, and, and I say all of this because that's the way I did business. And that's the way it happened for me. Because I don't know how many times I would hand somebody a check and they would look at me like I grew another head. Because they was like, no, I, you know, this is the first time I ever got paid. And I'm looking at right. them like, what? What? Right. Right, 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 right. Even if you're paying them 50 bucks. But approach approach your small budget movie, your two cast movie, the way you would a a, a big production. Because what ends up happening when you develop those good habits on the small stuff, it's an easy transition as you work on a big project. Grow, go up in the upward trajectory. It becomes second nature. Yep. All right. So real quick before we uh, give out our last uh, thoughts, I want to share the book of the week. I'm going to post it up right now. Book of the Week is the complete production, the complete film production handbook by Variety. It's a good book. This is the fourth edition in my hand. I've had it for a while. Check it out. Definitely get you, get yourself a copy. You should have it. There's digital Very versions. Uh, Very dope. I'm going to have to pick that one up. Yeah, and I got I to gotta post it. I'll definitely post it in the... Black Filmmakers Lounge groups and on Instagram and everything, but uh, you definitely want to build your library. You should have a library of books that help you, guide you. If you're going to be a producer, that should be one of the books. Uh, Last book, last time I showed you the movie business book, look, I'm telling you, these these things, I sit, I read, I spend time learning this stuff, I talk to people, information just isn't in books, so you know, have a mentor, have people you can talk to and connect with, uh, do what you need to do. All right. Um, but on our way out, drop your jewels, gentlemen, what you got, Lewis? Um, I actually would like to talk, talk of this sometime in the later in the future. Mm -hmm. What happened? What happens if you're actually in the set of a bad production? Mm. What do you do? I'll have a, I, I will have a, I will have a, uh, a, 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 an example, but um, I'll give it, I'll give an example right now. 
Zack Snyder's Justice League before Zack Snyder had to get stepped down and it was Zack Snyder slash Joss Whedon and the behind the scenes as to why we got Justice League in the theaters instead of it being how it was in Avengers, why it was the Justice League that we saw. And it was not because of Joss. It was not because of Zack. It was because of the people behind the scenes that people don't know about. I like the next week at some point to say, what happens when you're in a bad production? What do you do? How do you coast through that? Is there anything you can do? I think that's mm-hmm. a great topic and just something for people to be aware of that it does happen. And what do you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Floyd, what you got, brother? Well, I'll just reiterate what I said. Uh, be professional. You know, uh, have a sound business plan research, do your due diligence, you know, just be very methodical in how you do things. Please surround yourself with good people. Please surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with people that are going to push you to your limits. Um, don't be afraid to to do it. If, if, if you're afraid to do it, you're on the right track. You really are. If, if, if you're comfortable with it, like, oh, yeah, all right, I'm cool with that, then that ain't something you should be doing. Right. But if you are uncomfortable, you got some butterflies in your stomach, and you're like, ooh, I really don't know how that's going to work out, that's what you should be working on. Um, but <laughs> surround yourself with good people. That got me excited. And, 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 and build, <laughs> it's the truth. That got me excited. And, and build, build great relationships with people. And, and don't be so into you that you're not willing to listen to what someone else has to say. Because the one thing that I do know is that I don't know. That's the one thing that I know. I learn something new every single day. And my last thing would be, do yourself a favor. Like Michael said, is build up your, your literary library on film and also get you some podcasts. Come on, folks. If you got a Samsung and you got an Apple iPhone, and you're driving home from work or whatever, you can listen to it in the car. You can listen to it while you're working out. Get you some 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 filmmaking podcasts, but also get you some personal development podcasts to where you can build your mind muscle because this is an extremely hard business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you need to arm yourself with things that and information that you can withstand when things get bad because they will get bad. They will get tough. They will get rough. But if mm-hmm. you are well equipped, you'll be able to deal with it. Okay. Amen. Definitely. Amen. Amen. Church. All I gotta say <laughs> is know your stuff. Learn your craft. Your connect with the right people. Ask the right questions. If you don't know, pay attention. Be humbled about it. Um, at the end of the day, as the producer, whether a film does well or fail, it's your fault. Yep. When they get up and they say the best picture is. It's the producers that go up on that stage and get the award. So it's your responsibility as the producer to do your due diligence to make sure everything runs smooth or works in tandem together. Right. From beginning to end. Right. You got, even with the hiccups, you can't show. You just got to keep it moving. Weakness, right. It's your responsibility. If, if the actors are bad, you know, between you and the director, y'all talk. If if the director's bad, between you and the other producers, whoever, <laughs> y'all talk. It, it, it's still at the end of the day, the movie's your fault. 
just as well as it's rewarding to you. So right. keep that in mind. And thank you for joining us on the Black Filmmakers Lounge. I'm Micah Melvin. I'm Louis Duvall. Floyd Marshall Jr. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what just happened there. But I want to get out Michael Velvet. This you is a new yeah, track. Sure you all. <laughs> that was my fault. And we all know it's out. Fault. <laughs> yeah. Peace, y'all. Happy Saturday to you. Thank you for joining us. Yes, sir.